AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. The idea of abolitions existed a long time since before the founding fathers printed the documents. Ever since they brought us to this continent, a long line, I think it's pondered it. Whiting like paparit, watching bombs fly for the niggas picking cotton fields. And also still we sitting on trial, slave catchers giving badges, prisons built all the time. Envision if we prioritize strong ties in the neighborhood so that they stable or to stop crime. That's the mission of abolition, it's been this for a minute. In assistance for independence, we've been to march fight in the alleys with our allies on the ballot. With the power of the people, we will finally see freedom for our kind. Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. We are waiting on reparations. Hurry up. So, so uh, how you been this week, Brad? Man, I've been busy as... What the... F- My bad, Joe. They're still popping off Memorial Day fireworks outside the crib, like right outside the window and shit. Because what way to better honor the troops than induce PTSD reactions by firing explosives into the sky? Shit. I'm in the hood right now, so... I'm hoping this all fireworks. But anyway, yeah. what are we what are we talking about today? Let's tell the people what's going down. Today we're t- talking about uh, the election of progressive prosecutor Larry Krasner. Um, he was up for re-election two weeks ago, and so and is kind of the de facto like figurehead of the progressive prosecutor movement. And so um, he recently was featured in a documentary, a little docu-series by PBS. Is that how you heard of him? I, w- I was aware of his work, like, over the last couple of years. But um, I think he's in- he's gained increasing 
popularity and like his work has drawn increasing awareness through this documentary that recently came out. Mm. And then, yeah, he just faced re-election um, two weeks ago. And so we're going to talk a little bit about progressive prosecutors, what D.A. Krasner has done up in Philly, um, some of the dynamics of his re-election uh, campaign. And uh, and then look at the impacts that uh, DAs have had on some rappers that we know and love. We'll talk about the musical relationship that rappers have had with the DA's office. And as well as uh, go into some real life examples of the adversarial nature between rappers and prosecutors. So I know about the work that you did with the district attorney in Athens back in December, but what's your usual interaction with district attorneys? Well, we both, you and I, we got out and we canvassed for Deborah Gonzalez, the progressive district attorney in, 2000, in December 2020. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about like what a DA does, what, why does it matter for criminal justice reform. Um, but uh, right now, as we work on the city budget, she, the, the DA's office has requested, I think, like, $174,000 increase in the, rec- in the budget recommendations for all these new programs, all this new stuff. And it's inciting a lot of conversation among myself and my fellow left- leftist commissioners about, you know, we've been in this moment of like realizing that public safety starts outside of the carceral system. It starts before the police arrive. It starts before you get to the district attorney's office where they're slapping you with charges and whatnot. And so ultimately, uh, and we'll, as we'll sort of lay out in our definition of what a DA does in a moment, you know, these, these people are prosecutors. These people are tasked with like deciding if people go to jail and for how long and, you know, what their bail is and all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, like, there's been some hesitance to invest additional resources into an office that ultimately, as progressive as it wants to be, is still about putting people in jail. And law enforcement. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. something that I noticed... Um when looking up things with the music is like as you as people see within hip-hop a lot of the uh the regard that 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 the da has had has almost been identical to that that the police have exactly within hip-hop yeah yeah. like like identical you know i mean almost to the point where they're referenced in the same sentence usually you know Right. Parole officers, district attorneys, police, they're all sort of like a part of the system. And as laymen, as people, you know, listeners who may not be involved in the criminal justice system, if you don't have like a criminal background or have family members or friends that do, you might may not like peg a, a DA or someone like that as like the villain in the story as clearly yeah. as, as the police <laughs> where we see these images of police like brutalizing people etc because and, yeah. and, and, and i and i say it's a false equivalency to say a, you know a da is just as bad as the cops because the cops are the ones that give them all these cases that they then have to prosecute in the first place is it um, are they supposed like so they're like they're not supposed to have that well obviously they're not supposed to have that relationship they have to work together but they're supposed to be like separate things right separate entities like the da's office and the police department right like it's not supposed to be like law and order where they're kind of like one big unit together exactly the police like bring somebody in on certain charges and then they decide whether to pursue those charges or dismiss them you know potential sentences negotiating plea bargains all that kind of stuff and so da's have typically run on like tough on crime stands up like colluding with the police where like 
round them all up and let's lock them all up for yeah. life and get them off the streets forever. And so um, both here and up in Philly, there and across the country, um, there's this movement of people who are coming in to try to reform the system from the inside by, per, you know, not pursuing low-level crimes, you know, pr- uh, prosecuting them, uh, more lenient sentences, more re- rehabilitative or restorative justice techniques to actually help people get reintegrated into society after they have committed a crime. Um, But ultimately, to me, and this has been my struggle recently with deciding whether or not to, like, better fund the DA's office, is, like, that $174,000 could also go into programs that would prevent people from getting picked up by the cops in the first place. Yeah. Similar to, like, similar to, like, the logic of defund, like, the cops arrive when the crime has already happened, but, like, if there had been a program in place to help support the person that committed the crime, they, they, well, why do you need the cops for Similar, I feel similarly about uh, about district attorneys, but um, it, gonna, there's, it's, it's a hard calculus, and we're going to get into this more throughout the episode. But um, let's uh, go ahead and hit the jump, and we'll see y'all in a second. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring, with access to over six million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. So a district attorney is the chief prosecutor representing the U.S. state and the local government area, typically a county. 
The prosecution is a legal party responsible for presenting the case against an individual suspected of breaking the law, initiating and directing further criminal investigations, guiding and recommending sentences for offenders, and are the only attorneys allowed to participate in the grand jury proceedings. The prosecutors decide what criminal charges to bring, and when and where a person will answer those charges. In carrying out their duties, prosecutors have authority to investigate persons, grant immunity to witnesses and accused criminals, and plea bargain with defendants. So, for example, when we talk, when think about, like, prosecutors decide what criminal charges to bring. A recent example here in Athens, there was a guy who got into a domestic dispute with his girlfriend, wouldn't leave her house, or wouldn't let her leave the house or something like that. So the district attorney's office had to decide whether to charge him with kidnapping, which has a mandatory life sentence, or false imprisonment, which is like 10 to 15 years. So those are the kinds of decisions they're making about uh, people that get picked up by the cops with regards to, you know, the charges. And then it follows the impact on their sentencing, whether the person who got in a fight with his girlfriend is going to jail for life or 10 to 15 years if convicted, you know, found guilty for the crime. Well, here's a question. This might not be something that you know, but um, is there like any sort of uh, like a checker of the DA? Like, is there anyone that checks why they present certain charges to cases? I mean, obviously, you can't do everything in real time on the day that every case is filed. Is there any any sort of process that goes back and and looks after that sort of thing? Do you know? I would say there's probably not a formal like role within the office or within the criminal justice system more broadly that is like checking the DA. I mean, I guess... It would just be something after the fact, like after scandal or something, then you would check it. Sure. And so what So what RDA has been doing, and I believe something that Larry Krasner has done extensively in his tenure in office, is reviewing, is case review. So looking back at the sentencing that happened before they came in and determining, uh, you know, fairness, like is this, is there any discrepancies based on race across like the data on who has been sentenced and for how long? Um, was there any sort of misconduct in the way the trial was was um, undertaken? Um, and so, and, and and a lot of times, I mean, we haven't had a case here yet, but often in other municipalities, we find that people get exonerated. It turns out that, like, actually, this is fucked up that uh, they were sent to jail for this and for this long, and they actually ended up getting out. So, district attorneys can check the work of previous. Of their predecessors, yeah. But ex- but in terms of an existing check on that office, um, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if there exists outside of like public accountability, and then like public defenders, you know, who work to defend the folks that are brought before the prosecution, um, perhaps having some role in in like taking a look at how they're deciding criminal charges and sentencing and trying to weigh in against that if it's unfair. Yeah. But yeah, across the country. There's been a lot of reform-minded prosecutors setting a new precedent of winning elections on platforms committed to both public safety and reducing mass incarceration. Uh, Folks within this quote-unquote progressive prosecutor movement have pursued a range of policies, including using diversion and treatment programs as alternatives for people convicted for drug-related crimes, uh, refusing to prosecute cases brought by officers with a history of dishonesty or unreliability, and then reducing prosecutions for lower-level crimes. So this is like a wave that's been sweeping the country in recent years, with the pro- probably the most prominent figure in this movement being 
Larry Krasner, who was elected to Phil- as Philadelphia's district attorney in 2017. Prior to seeking the district attorney's seat, he worked as a criminal defense lawyer in Philadelphia for about 30 years, specializing in civil rights, frequently representing protesters. That's Black Lives Matter or Occupy Philadelphia protesters. He would do it pro bono. So that earned him that anti-establishment cred when he was a candidate in 2017. Mr. Krasner announced his first run after Donald J. Trump's presidential inauguration and his promise to stop prosecuting drug possession and prostitution and to hold police accountable for misconduct attracted a coalition of young progressives, labor unions and moderate black voters behind him that boosted him to victory. It's, I mean, and he ha- kind of had like the the cred, the, the track record to back it up, you know, when he was talking about holding police accountable. He had sued the police for civil rights violations 75 times uh, prior to his run for office. So he had the, the bona fides, I guess, to bring out young progressives, bring out black folks, bring out people in the labor movement to support him because, like, he had previously walked the talk. Yeah, he showed them that he had the experience to, like, actually get the shit done. Yeah. And then, yeah, indeed, during his first term in office, he ended criminal charges against those caught with pot, ended cash bail for minor misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies, uh, pursued reduced supervision for parolees, and sought more lenient sentences for certain crimes, and even, when given the opportunity, declined to pursue the death penalty in capital cases. Um, And as a result of all these efforts, the Philly DA's offices lowered the number of people in the city's jail by more than 30% and cut the city's probation rules by a third. This work has earned Krasner the support of Philadelphia-based and raised rapper Meek Mill, who we've talked about on the show before, and who's had a couple of brush-ins with Krasner's office. Following Meek's own charges, incarceration, and probation throughout the early 2000s and 2010s, Meek co-founded the Reform Alliance, a project dedicated to getting one million people off probation, and has since been very outspoken about probation reform, having experienced at firsthand the way the terms of probation hindered his own rehabilitation. In addition to tweets in support of Krasner's re-election, Meek had also denied the purported link between Krasner's policies and the spike in gun crime in Philadelphia. He said, Larry Krasner did not put 3,000 ghost guns in Phillies and is not to blame for the rising murder rate. We don't do 3D printing in the hood. So something happened. Meek tweeted back in April. A good point. I mean, it's like, what do you think? You you got to address where the guns are coming from. They're not coming from the DA's office. But uh, we'll get more into that uh, in, a, in a second. Uh, Krasner's work has also been praised by the ACLU, particularly the work of a sentencing integrity union, which has exonerated 20 innocent people who combined lost hundreds of years of their lives in prison during his three plus years as DA. As well, the ACLU has opined none of his predecessors has been as committed to rooting out violent cops as Krasner. See, for example, the Philly DA's office taking a case to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, challenging the Commonwealth's use of force law in a case stemming from the prosecution of Officer Ryan Pownell, uh, who shot and killed David Jones as he fled from the officer. So he's cracking down on cracking down on violent cops, uh, exonerating innocent people, letting people out of jail that are in there for low-level crimes or. Uh, lessening the burden of probation on folks that are, you know, doing quote-unquote community supervision. Sounds great, right? Well, we're still in the pandemic, so, you know, during his tenure and the last year especially, homicide and gun violence in Philadelphia are on rising levels not seen since the 90s. 
Skyrocketing homicide rate resulting from the pandemic has now created public cries for making more arrests and getting killers off the streets. So we're talking about people were people are saying, oh, this guy is leaning on crime. He's letting people out of jail. He's not prosecuting people. And that's why gun violence is spiking in the city. So the police seized upon this pandemic-driven rise in crime to promote Mr. Krasner's opponent, Carlos Vega, Vega, an assistant DA who Krasner, or a former assistant DA who Krasner fired upon taking office in 2018. However, criminologists have said it would be impossible to substantiate the claim that Krasner's policies had led to more gun crime. As gun violence has risen sharply in many cities last year, regardless of whether their prosecutors were considered progressive. So, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how people are like pointing at like anything that was happening post pandemic to like as an explanation for the rise in crime like the pandemic hit the economy took a hit and there's mad guns in the country so like what do people expect is gonna happen that's not like the result of a progressive district attorney obviously right. it's just yeah. like a stu- it's like a stupid ex- you know it's like a stupid explanation and my view is that for every person we incarcerate we create another criminal for every father we take out of a home and put behind bars that's another child that's going to become destabilized because they lost a breadwinner because they lost a mentor and now that kid's going to go out and start robbing people and shooting people or like looking for supports outside the home because he no longer has one of his parents mm-hmm. and it's going to start rolling with the gang or rolling with folks you know oh, let's go around uh, breaking in houses oh let's go shoplifting um, you know every time uh, a mother loses a son to the carceral system uh, you know that that drives that drives um, alcoholism. That drives drug addiction. That drives hopelessness and despair. That then forces people to turn to more crime. So you know, on the one hand, when you have people saying, "Oh, you're letting people back on the streets where they're reoffending," at the same time, I think that every time we put someone away, we're further destabilizing a community by taking away a family member or a friend or a breadwinner or a colleague, employee, you know, whatever that uh, ultimately drives crime further. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, so the Fraternal Order of Police, the union that represents 14,000 current and retired officers in the city of Philadelphia, has thrown everything they have at D.A. Krasner in an attempt to oust him and even went so far as to park a soft serve ice cream truck outside the district attorney's office to emphasize that Mr. Krasner had been soft on crime, which I love. Wow. I love. Wow. I love. I love Larry's response in response. Mr. Krasner's campaign released a statement of support from Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> the, the union's given hundreds of thousands of dollars to Krasner's opponent and has encouraged Republican voters to register as Democrat in order to vote Krasner out of the Democratic primary. Yeah, so Vega was running against Krasner in a Democratic primary. It's like, I think... Uh, 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 Democrats outnumber Republicans in the city of Philadelphia like seven to one. So whoever wins the primary, it usually is gonna it's gonna be the DA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Krasner has attracted criticism from the left too. He's basically been called by the ACLU for backing away from his promise to eliminate cash bail and stop holding juveniles in adult jails. His prosecutors routinely seek to detain people and have been asking judges to issue bail orders of a million dollars against certain defendants. Once a huge proponent of ending cash bail for many offenses, during his first term, he actually criticized judges for settling bail too low for gun crimes. On the juvenile justice front, 
Virtually the same number of youth are being charged as adults as before Krasner became district attorney, due in large part to Pennsylvania's direct file law, which requires that young people accused of certain crimes start in adult court. So an, an additional critique uh, was leveraged by Ernest Owens, who wrote in Philly Mag, as a black queer progressive who was called for the defunding of the police. I find Krasner's performative wokeness, a pattern of behavior in which he spends more time acting self-righteous on social justice issues than achieving progressive goals, distracts from the causes I believe in. For starters, the concept of being a progressive prosecutor is oxymoronic. Mm. Prosecutors, just like the police, are part of a flawed system that incarcerates people. Prosecutors are committed to convicting people. That's the job. Whether a DA's office decides to offer less to charges or not, the idea that it can serve as a progressive institution is patently false. I would never consider a police commissioner progressive. Regardless of how many reforms commissioners may plan to make, they're still operating within an oppressive system. What makes the DA's office any different, given the institution's longstanding history of criminal injustice to poor black and brown people? This next part kind of gets at what they reveal a lot through the documentaries, through the docuseries, which I actually did watch some of recently. Ernest continued, as much as Krasner would like to pretend the calls for more law and order are only coming from Trump or the fraternal order of police, they're also coming from the black and brown communities he claims to be listening to. In the PBS documentary, following Krasner's first term, a black mother expresses rifle rage at Krasner after his office frees the man who killed her teenage son because investigators accessed incriminating evidence without a warrant. So, and then there's another example from the documentary where the certain members of the family of a slain police officer wanted Krasner to pursue the death penalty for his murderer. And he had, he had, you know, run on a pledge of not pursuing the of the death penalty. And so ultimately he kind of went against not what some of the fa- the victim's family wanted. Yeah. And th- these are black and brown and low income people that live in Philadelphia. It's one of those things that it's like, you know, people aren't a monolith. <laughs> like not everybody, you know, not everybody is as uh, tied to ideology as like has like a sometimes get when we're in our, our bubbles of like dealing with other people who are as political as we are all the time you know what i mean you forget that like some people yeah i mean and, and like i like we all i think we all struggle with a desire for vengeance mm-hmm. you know and uh, we have very deeply socialized into us conceptions of what justice is and it often means making the person that hurt you suffer um, and so I don't think we can even blame people for like turning to that in their most in their darkest moments when they've lost a member of their family, um, because that's what we're taught all, all our lives that justice is. And so grappling with that, like, what does it mean for us to listen to those voices, to center those voices in the work that we do, even if we disagree with this orientation towards punishment and and revenge as as uh, as um, means of justice. Is something that he has to grapple with. We all have to yeah. grapple with in this in this work of criminal justice reform. I mean, it's it's definitely a tough job. I can definitely see how it could uh, be conflicting for somebody who who is you know stepping into like that role, and maybe they have uh, you know a view and a philosophy that's one way, but just like being part of that machine requires you to have to make decisions that you know what I mean just fundamentally yeah. are going to put you be make you be opposed to what you otherwise would would be 
cool with. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's yeah. one of those things where I always like I I, I I don't know if I ever asked you this when we were canvassing for Bernie and stuff like that, but like did you ever like did anybody who's like a Bernie supporter ever like wonder if like whatever issue you want to think about it that Bernie or position that like someone like Bernie Sanders has now and then they get in and then he gets into office and like he hears something that none of us have privy you know information to where he's like oh okay well then that shit that I was saying and I was I can't do that obviously you know what I mean like because of the the job just makes you fundamentally from the very nature of it to, in order to do it a certain way you know what I mean you either have to throw out how it's done or you have to like kind of like go against some things that you might believe in I face that as I face that in politics constantly where it's like balancing my own values against my duty to be responsive to the folks that elected me and like living in a representative democracy being the people's voice being versus uh, I guess like Embrace, embrace of the position that that people trusted me to make the right decision based on my consciousness when they voted for me. Yeah. So maybe I am just allowed to do what I want to do. Like there were very, there are often very conflicting views on a, a number of policy things we have to vote on. It's also like which voices do you listen to? Like people want to paint like black and brown communities as a monolith. Like oh we, you know, oh we the black. Like all the time I hear black people like oh black people don't want to defund the police. And then on the other side like the young black people are like, oh, all my niggas like be screaming fuck twelve. All my niggas be screaming fuck twelve. What? And each each side wants to claim that they are the voice of their demographic community yeah of their community like i really represent the community what i say really yeah don't listen to these niggas over here so um no it's it's really tricky it's really tricky yeah, no, it's conflicting i mean you know that's it, things like that or those are the things that make me you know very very respectful of people anybody there's, there's a there's a certain base level of respect that i have for anyone who approaches getting into politics in good faith to begin with because it's like man some hard decisions that you got to make, you know. Yeah, straight up. So in the end, Larry Krasner ended up dusting Carlos Vega. Hey, Krasner earned more than double Vega's vote total. Krasner's victory two weeks ago likely assures his re-election ahead of November's general election. Because the registered Democrats there outnumber the Republicans like seven to one up there. So he's a safe bet to win the whole thing. What's interesting is that Krasner's mandate is now far greater than it was after his initial election in 2017, when he won the Democratic primary uh, with 38 percent of the vote in a multi-candidate field. Mm. This year in a one-on-one race, he got about 65 percent of the vote. So more people voted for him this time than last time, despite the spike in crime despite some of the critiques on the left. And so it's, it's interesting um, that, yeah, here we are. I mean, I think there's a number of, of like, of like uh, aspects of the zeitgeist that manifested, make, you know, made this manifest. Like, well, we did the fucking biggest social movement of my goddamn lifetime last year, or that I'm we're a- still in, you know. I'm assuming that the so the Carlos Vega guy he was the Republican candidate. Well, he was running in the Democratic primary. But he was uh, a Republican candidate though, or was he running in the Democratic? He was running as a Democrat. Oh, yeah, okay. backed by the the cop union. Yeah, with like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And so, what some have had to say about how why this happened, how this happened, 
Um, Nicholas O'Rourke, the organizing director for the Pennsylvania Working Families Party, who supported Krasner, told the nation, voters rejected the FOP's fear-based propaganda and sent a clear message. We cannot incarcerate our way to public safety. So, I mean, this this general idea, this reimagining of what it means to make our community safe, I think uh, expanded his support as consciousness has been raised around um, the need for us to just do things utterly differently, more so than it was in 2017 when he was first elected. Kendra Brooks, the Philly councilwoman, also elected with the WFP party line in 2019, had this to say. The uprising clearly articulated that the power of the people was greater than any one election or elected official. That if real change was going to happen, we would have to fight for liberation in every avenue of power. And so I think this is, again, one of the results of the uprising. People's uh, uh, increased awareness and attention paid to local politics. That things like defund, that things like ending mass incarceration start with your DA. They start with your police department. It starts with your public defender's office. It starts with your local county jail. It's not, you know, going to Biden and, like, expecting him to fucking do anything about it. He architected the fucking system we're living in. And the federal level doesn't have a ton to do with what's happening in your neighborhood with regards to the people getting picked up by the cops and sentenced to decades in prison for stupid shit. Um, All of that is controlled, you know, locally. And I think maybe uh, out of last summer's uprising came an increased awareness of that, increased engagement with that. And then using every avenue of power to dismantle the system of mass incarceration, even one that is inherently complicit in it to a degree. So, yeah, I mean, uh, like they said, you know, progressive prosecutor definitely has uh, oxymoronic sort of vibe to it. But, you know, you got to work with what you got. And sometimes you can't be so idealistic in terms of like, oh, everything kind of has to be, you know, the perfect way that you would want it to be. You kind of have to just, you know, go with what you got. And what we got right now is the system. So, you know, you you can't bring it down if you're completely incapable of infiltrating it. So you have to try that first. So let's get into the music portion of things where we are going to be discussing the relationship between hip hoppers and the district attorney's office. We're going to get to that after the jump. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. 
Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. That was a line from the late Notorious B.I.G. on the song Realist Nigga featuring 50 Cent. I think I was like a 2002 uh, mixtape joint. But anyway, yeah, the district attorney as the character, if you will, in hip hop has been regarded like the police, like we were talking about in the, at the beginning of the episode. It's mostly like an adversarial relationship. Most of the references of it are in resentment or with ill will. People expressing like, hey, fuck the D.A. There's the famous uh, outro ad libs at the end of Tupac's Pitch Me Rollin' where he's he's literally just addressing the DA. He's like, hey, DA, can you see me? I'm, I'm rolling, bitch. Pitch me rolling, you know, that sort of shit. Meek Mill was in a courtroom in his hometown, Philadelphia, back in 2012, based on uh, reports the judge presiding over the case had scolded him for the youth, for his song titled The Ride. We're going to check that out right now. The DA said she hate me, but I don't understand. go so deep it's like she take taking taking her frustrations out on people in her courtroom uh probably need a man i mean that's like a harsh critique but that so is... the, yeah the judge admonished him for uh the line her a bitch right yeah yeah and uh you know instructed him to not to mention the da in any of his future recordings um we've also discussed the nationwide phenomena of local DAs using rap lyrics as evidence in cases against uh, you know local local rappers in their areas with the example that we had of Draco the ruler uh, some sometimes back we had that example but just in, in in searching there's almost too many cases for us to even really reference because it seems like there's one going on in every state I highly recommend this article. Uh, it's an NPR article called Rap Lyrics in Court, Art versus Evidence. But it's pretty much a breakdown 
of like it's kind of like a debate article between like a uh, you know a criminal justice advocate and then like some legal minds and they're pretty much going back and forth about why so many district attorneys offices are using rap lyrics and stuff like that and on what basis they're using the lyrics to do that what are your thoughts on that whole thing well i actually participated in a panel with uh this woman named andrea dennis uh earlier this year where we were talking about the idea using uh using uh rap lyrics in trial it's interesting because uh myself and my friend montu who are on the panel were talking about how oh Rap is the CNN of the of the streets. You know, rap is this journalistic, you know, expression of our lived experiences, our reality. And then the author was actually like, actually, you all are wrong. Rap lyrics are fictional. Rap lyrics are impressionistic. They are not talking about actual things that happen most of the time. Talking about things that they would like to have happen or things they want to boast having happened, even though they did not. It has like a flex that is not actually grounded in reality. And for that purpose, and then for those reasons, rap, sh- rap lyrics should not be used on trial. And I actually, it like fucked with me because I was like, damn. I mean, I, I, like the, my, my argument for why like, oh, rap is journalism, rap is this and that also can be used against us of like, oh, rap is journalism. Well, this nigga said he shot four people in well, his yeah, song. I mean, so. I, think, I think it's like a case by case basis. You know what I mean? Like I, it, for me, I just can't comfortably be like I generally think it's out of bounds things because I can think of specific examples just imagining it in my head where it's like oh okay I would understand that like for example if like Eminem's wife were to go missing and the cops are like yo we want to talk to Eminem because we heard some shit (laughs) like I'm not you know all I'm saying is I'm just saying I would understand why a detective would be like, oh, I'm going to look into that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like if you can go on somebody's Instagram account and like, oh, this person was posting that they did this and they were posting that they did that. And, oh, we, we, we connected A plus B and, oh, that person got caught because they snitched on themselves on Instagram. Then it seems like people would probably do that in rap songs. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And if there is, I know that there was that case of, uh, what was his name? Is why? Uh, YMW Melly. YMW Melly. Yeah. Like, again, you know, I don't, I don't know the full details of it. So I, I, you know, hesitate to speak on it like that. But like, from my general understanding of how that case was going down, he had a song called Murder on My Mind that was like a huge hit and it's like literally like given evidence you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't like a stretch like oh we're just gonna grab any of you're just gonna like take all of his songs it was like no it was like oh no when he said this it meant you know what i mean in that particular song and like something like that it's like with me i'm like oh well i don't want to see somebody go to jail but at the same time like literally talking about somebody that was killed and that person needs justice and accountability too so it's complicated. And DAs do that. DAs can bring in lyrics as evidence. Happened with Draco the Ruler, happened with Melly, happens all the time. And then there are legal minds on either side of the issue trying to determine the legitimacy of the practice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to start seeing it happen. To, I don't know. It's one of those things where, I don't know. It's, it's a very, very, for me, conflicting 
conflicting issue. Because, like, on the one hand, I definitely can imagine, like, a totalitarian state where motherfuckers are just pulling up people's writing and their artistic expressions and manipulating it and using it to lock people up and shit like that. But I don't... I'm not necessarily sure that that's what's happening on that front, though. Yeah. I mean, we we had that whole episode about Pablo Hussel, who had lyrics about uh, praising terrorists and... Mm insulting you know the um insulting the monarchy so i guess it just like becomes a slippery slope thing as well of like at True what that. point is like free speech not can you not just say like ah shadow nigga like just because you want to say it in a song exactly and, and now you're way, being criminalized for it in the way things are headed now i can totally see if they can start convicting people on stuff like this then if you make a song that's like a protest song or like something that's got like a run the jewels, eat the rich and burn down a bank oh, sort yeah. of vibe to it. Oh, you inspired them to burn down the fucking yada yada bank or to break such and such window. Now you got to, you know, you incited a riot with your song. I, I, can, probably, see that. I can see that's that. That's probably what Keisha Lance Bottoms called up Killer Mike and said. When she got him to that press conference last summer where they were, like, burning down the CNN center, like, well, Mike, I actually have uh, the DA on, on line two, and um, we're very concerned about your lyrics about uh, uh, giving them CEOs hell, the burning of the sofa, goddamn, I love the smell. But when we find them, we don't kill them, we just waterboard them. Um, so Uh-oh. I'm going to need you to come down here for this press conference. Otherwise, um, look outside your window. APD is is sitting and waiting to bring you to the Fulton County Jail. <laughs> I don't even want to put that bad juju in the air because I definitely got some stuff out there that could definitely be twisted. On the next subject, um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I, I wanted to um, talk about uh, this uh, last thing is this uh, situation with Mark Jones, who was a uh, district attorney hopeful. A year ago, he was running in uh, Columbus, Georgia, for a uh, district attorney in the what? How do you pronounce that? Chatta Ch- Chattahoochee. The Chattahoochee. Ju- that's that's quite quite a word. The Chattahoochee Judicial Circuit. Now he uh, filmed a video. It was a get out the vote video with a rapper called Georgia Boy. We're gonna listen to a little bit of that right now. Get out of vote. Get out of vote. Do it. Yeah. Freedom and legalize weed. Yeah. 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 The people DA who we need. Watch on right now. Get out and vote. No captain. He on the ballot. He gonna be preaching and talking about it. He better ask. Watch out. Oh my God. All right. That's enough of All that. Right. What the fuck did I just watch? So, yeah. So in the video, I'll, I'll explain. So, in the video, yeah. it's like a bunch of people hanging out, cars parked around them. Very like hip hop video style. Georgia Boy. Slow motion. Know, slow motion. Georgia Boy's rapping. People got like Mark Jones signs. But then Mark Jones is this skinny ass white boy in like a blue suit with a red tie. And he's like bouncing, giving the thumbs up. I'm like, what the fuck is this? An arrest warrant was issued shortly after, just 13 days ahead of his Democratic primary by the Columbus police. And they charged him with four felonies and two misdemeanors in connection with the video that was posted to Facebook. After the police said his campaign had failed to get a permit to, for the shoot in the parking lot of the Columbus Civic Center. Now, the charges included, check this out. The charges included 
conspiracy to commit criminal damage of property, conspiracy to commit interference with government property, and conspiracy to commit reckless conduct. And they were filed after Jones gave a stinging criticism of the district attorney's office of Columbus of the, and the Columbus police in response to the reports that officers were confiscating marijuana and consuming it while on the job. But he won the election and is currently in the... Yeah. He ended ended up turning himself in, but he's currently the district attorney elect. So I I assume everything worked out. I didn't follow too much on the case. I got to give the man props. I got to give the man props for that shit. Yeah, that's wild. That's Um, crazy. I'm actually I'm going to try to I'm going to try to reach out to him so we can get him on the show to talk to him because, you know, he's. He's built himself, at least I can tell from his Facebook page, he's built himself as the people's D.A. You know what I mean? And he's hip-hopping around, so I kind of want to talk to the dude and see what that's all about. You know what I mean? So we might have to follow this up on this episode. Well, I mean, that's what we got for today. And we will be back next week as we always are. I think we are going to be, if, 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 if the things align the way they're supposed to, I think we're going to be talking about battle rap in the yeah. next episode and some of the political and social implications that that has just in the culture of hip hop and just in pop culture in general. That's going to be a fun one. Can't wait to do that. You got anything going? Um, what I got? Um, nah, I'll see y'all next week. I ain't got shit. <laughs> I ain't got shit for y'all. All right. Well, everybody be safe out there. Uh, you know, we can't go anywhere without spitting some, some funky fresh raps. Ayo, Joel, can we please get a beat? Hey, this is Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are Waiting on Reparations. See you next week. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.